Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Campionato di calcio italiano. Is not where it's hot in December, but I'll tell you where it's hot in May, Kevin. It's the Serie A Champions League race. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. What a weekend it was, or I suppose, what a last game we had, I should really say. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined, as you heard me refer to, Kev Pogzelski. Kev, hello. Hi, Connor. How are you doing? I'm all right, actually. I'm quite... Quite well, thank you very much. And Vito Doria, how are you keeping this weekend? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I don't feel like a zombie, which is a big <laughs> plus. So, yeah, been an interesting week of football. And uh, we're recording just after another big result. So it's uh, worth discussing. Yeah, absolutely right. Before we get into that, we've got to talk about the importance of um, the chosen attire for this pod recording. Because for... For what I believe to be the first time in FIF pod history, Kev Pogzelski has shown up wearing an Inter shirt. And bear in mind, Inter wrapped up the league last weekend, Kev, but you've quite deliberately waited until the weekend in which Inter thumped Vito Sampdoria to wear the Inter shirt. I think that's a bit out of order, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, well, I'm pretty sure I have worn it before. It wasn't deliberate. Because we found we found this shirt out of a clean out um, a couple of weeks ago, and I folded it, put it on a chest of drawers, and then I only spotted it like yesterday and brought it down into the lounge because I I'd had it there for when into clinch the title, and then I thought, oh well, do I bother wearing it this week? And I thought, oh actually, into smash Sam, so let's wear it for that reason. Vito, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, it's just uh, too too coincidental. 
coincidental. Like yeah, uh, we no. were discussing off pod, should have been last week. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Cam knows what he's done here. <laughs> no doubts about it. Cam, Cam knows what he's done. But look, Milan fans, I'm sorry. AC Milan have just beaten Juventus 3-0 to really, really get ahead in the race for the Champions League places. And we've started by talking about Inter. Um, they're not going to be very happy with us on that one. But Kev, you did the report and we were speaking throughout the first half of this. And I think it's fair to say nobody saw a 3-0 to Milan coming from this one. No, I thought this was going to be horrific based on the opening 45 minutes and 30 seconds until Diaz sort of curled in a wonderful opener. And actually that, it was weird because then the second half, uh, Bentancur, you know, made a, well, forced, forced Donnarumma into a wonderful save. Donnarumma had been terrible first half, which made you think, okay, Juve could get into this because he flapped at, uh, what, two crosses and he went for sort of a real walkabout in the middle of the park amongst them, a load of defenders. So I'm not even sure what he was doing there at one stage. And okay, it's livened up finally. He's t- taken right until half time, and then into um, Juve to to come straight out of the blocks uh, second half. But then Milan missed the pen, kind of a, a bit of invigorated by that in a, in a way because they kind of dug in and suddenly got sort of two goals right towards the end, which gave you this sort of flurry action. I, I would say, if anything, it was it was Juve that were disappointed because they didn't really create too much clear-cut in attack. Well, Andrea Priolo has kind of come out after the game and he said a lot of things without saying that much, if you know what I mean. He's said, that, look, this is primarily my responsibility. Results like this cannot happen to Juventus. I'm not thinking about resigning. Should he? Uh, I I think it would look it look bad on the club. I think it would look bad on him. I think he's he's been he's been handed a little bit. Well, everybody that's taken on this this Juventus train that's been winning total after total, the new coaches come in are, are handed a bit of a poison chalice. And I think for for him, he probably needs to stick it out just because of his you know this is the start of his. Uh, his coaching career. He's not. A, he's not a Maurizio Sarri who had Empoli and had Napoli on the. You know before he went to Juve, and I think if he wants to be considered seriously as a coach in the future, he probably needs to see this right out until Juventus take the decision and say, no, not working out. Let's uh, go our separate ways. Vito, I wouldn't be resigned. What do you think Juventus's decision should be? Because surely. When they appointed Pirlo, remember, what was it, nine days after giving him the under-23s job, which was his first ever coaching job at any level, surely there was an understanding that there was quite a considerable element of risk involved. And if you're giving a job to someone like this, surely you've got to say, we might have a really bad season, but we're trusting you in the long term. So, if they sack Pirlo now, they're left with a little bit of egg on their faces, really, aren't they? Pretty much so. Um, you know, and pointing him, given his lack of experience, is uh, inconvenient. And uh, this is not like 50, 60 years ago, we can just appoint coaches straight after finishing their playing careers. Uh, it's uh, different because they got a 
go for training courses and apply for the coaching badges. So they've got to learn a few things like tactics and training drills and all the sort to be appointed to a team like Juventus. Uh, that's already adding enough pressure on Pirlo. And I think uh, it's also a case of Pirlo thinking with his heart instead of his head that uh, he used to play for them and he had some good success with them as well. So I think uh, it was a big risk on his part as well. And uh, be nice if they could come to some amicable conclusion, maybe just send him back to the event as under 23s, excuse me, at the end of the season. But uh, maybe the more I think about it, I think this might have been a mixed blessing in disguise. At least this shows that not anybody could step in and just coach Juventus. Mm -hmm. And also I think it shows that with the weak points in the squad, especially central midfield, I think it goes to show that uh, this Juventus squad needs to really have an evolution, if not a revolution. It's an interesting one that I've never really thought about before, the the opportunity, I suppose you could call it, of, of asking Pirlo, all right, thanks for that season. Can you go back and do the under-23 jobs and, and we'll see what happens in the future? Mightn't be the worst idea. Kev? I think it's I think it's hard, depending on how the the new co- a new coach would would feel with Pirlo still being around the club. Now, I'm not saying there's a direct sort of interaction there or maybe they, they would need to discuss things with Pirlo having players in the team that he'd be coaching potentially being sort of fed into the, the first team. Um, I think he's been... It's been made diff- more difficult this year because they've been hitting this, you know, this 10th title. I think you know if he'd come in at four, five, six, maybe even, but I'm sure there's been loads, yeah, loads and loads of marketing around them hitting this ten this year, and it's probably just increased the pressure on him. Um, in theory, it sounds great that you just kind of send this guy back to doing the the youth the youth side, and you know carry on the journey that was probably expected for him, but. I think once you've kind of stepped up and there's, you know, there's probably been other examples of where this has happened and, and the person ended up just walking away after that. It's probably done him more harm than it, it will do you, though. You've brought up the issue of marketing and I do think it's something that we need to address. While, while you've brought it up quite organically, Kev, obviously I think the best thing about Juve not winning the title this year is not seeing how they shoehorn a a number into a word that's not really connected to anything and doesn't work even as a number like myth with the y being a seven um there were a few legend i think where the the g was an eight for for whatever reason i can't remember what nine was but we're not gonna know what 10 would have been because they're not gonna get that 10th in a row for another decade at least uh kev Anybody uh, looking to sort of cyber attack Juventus, though, this probably gives a good indication to what their passwords <laughs> are. You're probably not wrong. But what I wanted to say was that the, the women's team were crowned Serie A champions this weekend, and they're at it too. Um, you'll be pleased to know. But this one, I will actually accept because 
They've gone for fabulous with the A in fabulous being the letter or the number four, which we all know from our school days when you're writing things on a calculator, that works. It's fine. So I'm willing to give them that. Are you guys going to speak out, dispute that, or is, is fabulous with a four okay? Well, obviously, we never had calculators in my day. It was an abacus. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> um... You don't help yourself sometimes, Kev, do you? <laughs> you really don't help yourself. But anyway, well, if I don't get there, you will. Should we get on to Milan? Because I know, actually, before before we get on to Milan, look, I'm, I'm sorry, Ross and Harry fans, but there was a statistic in the first half of this that just jumped out at me. And it was that between them, Cristiano Ronaldo and Alvaro Morata had one touch in Milan's box in the entire first half. And there was something that Kev and I were actually speaking about, Kev, so I want to bring it on to this. I messaged you, it must have been, what, half an hour into the game? And I was just looking at this Juventus squad and the players that were on the pitch, I was thinking, it's not, it's not great. And I said that, what do you think about this? Other than Chiesa Delict, Quadrado McKenney, Kulusevski, Morata, and maybe Artur, and by Artur, I meant either Artur or Bentancur. One of them. Everyone else, they should just bin off and basically start afresh. You weren't even having Artur in that list, but what do you reckon? What a big Juventus fire sale. Can you imagine that? So. Do you reckon Agnelli will make the money that he was hoping to make from the Super League by that fire sale? Because they need something. He's still uh, committed to that. There's... There is um there there is enough there to sort of build a, a spine of the side round. Um but you know, like Vito touched on earlier, they probably do need a bit of a a bit of a revolution. I think for I think probably we haven't well no actually we probably have acknowledged the benefit of the kind of experience. And actually when I saw the team tonight and there, there was a little bit of on social media, there was a little bit made that uh, Bonucci was dropped for the, the slightly older Chiellini. But I thought to myself, you know, if you've got to dig in tonight, you know, and, and Juve say snatch a 1-0 win, then I'd probably have Chiellini over yeah. Bonucci. But that's kind of what they need to get back, a little bit of that. You know, if you go further up the field and you think of Marquisio, you know, on the other bench you have Mandzukic who was kind of excellent for that sort of experience and game sort of knowledge and management, which I just, I don't necessarily think they've got in as many places as they probably had previous years. And maybe it's that, you know, maybe it is. You get get rid of some of the deadwood, but actually maybe bring in a little bit of experience. Don't, you know, just go for superstars or buy, you know, get in another Kuliseski and actually try and, um, you know, recover some of that sort of experience from what they've lost, well, what they're losing just through, through the sands of time. Just to further reiterate about the whole fire sale concept, also need to consider the amount of players Juventus have on loan. Um, they're a club that have plenty of players on their books, especially these Italian youngsters or players that were seen to be promising. They still have these guys on the contract and perhaps maybe this is the time they should consider which one's actually worth keeping at the club or which ones 
should they just sell off for good? Uh, case in point, someone like Rolando Mandragora. Uh, I think the whole concept with his contract, can't tell if Udinese owns him or Juve own him too. So it'd be great if we can just settle out one club, you know. For instance, if Torino decide to buy him out, right, just let the Granata have full ownership of him and don't even bother buying him back again. If he peaks with the Granata or he thrives at another club, you obviously should just not worry about him. If they really wanted him so much, they should just keep him for good with the Bianconeri and uh, see if the next coach actually thinks he's good enough to be a starter for the next season and a uh, season afterwards. Then you got to look at the other ones who are on the books, see if they're worthwhile too. But yeah, there's just a lot of players, a lot of deadwood that just uh, uh, are better off at the smaller clubs doing their thing, but they're not going to be bringing Juve to the next level. They're not going to help create another uh, dynasty or if somehow they can try and build a team that will challenge for Europe again, uh, maybe these guys aren't the answer at all. On to Milan then, shall we? Ficaro Tomori became the first Englishman to score for the Rossoneri since. Can someone Ooh. end that sentence? Mark, Mark Haitley, maybe? No, it's it's actually quite underwhelming. Yeah, exactly. As David uh, Beckham, yeah. but everyone kind of forgets that he was there. And as well as that, is their first win away to Juventus since 2011. The goal scorer that day when they claimed a 1-0 win, you might have heard it in commentary. Oh, no. He's uh, a coach Pirlo? in Serie A now. No, it's not Pirlo, but you're going along the right lines there, Vito. Oh, would it be Gattuso, would it? Exactly right, Gennaro Gattuso. So, Kev, that, half a point going into this okay. evening's, or the, the later on game. Uh, but yeah, Gattuso shows how much this win means for Milan. But in terms of something that's really important... The 3-0 scoreline, Kev, means that Milan now have the head-to-head advantage over Juventus, having lost the first game 3-1. So if it finishes all square on points, Milan get the Champions League. Yeah, those last couple of goals they got have really you know, had a, had a huge impact. And um, I think when we were sort of discussing how I'd sort of mapped out the season going, I had uh, Milan you know, falling quite low, but... I think actually this win, if they can build on this, you know, it, Juve has still got to go to Inter. Inter don't look like they're taking and their foot Sassuolo. off the gas. They play Sassuolo too. Yeah, so this, 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 this could be a huge, huge result for Milan, uh, because I, you know, I, I thought they were slipping. Obviously, it looks like they might have lost uh, Ibrahimovic. It didn't look great when he went off with knee. He didn't do, he didn't do much. If anything, Rebic came on and played. Yeah, uh, played much better. No, I'd absolutely agree with that. But we, we've got to talk about the goals. We've got to talk about the goals because they were all lovely. I mean, all lovely. Tomori's was a really nice header, but I've got something in me that doesn't allow me to enjoy headers as much as other people seem to. But, I mean, Rebic's goal was quite obviously brilliant. It was a bit Cristiano ronaldo Circa 2010-esque. Um, he, he was on the pitch tonight as well, by the way. You, you mightn't have noticed, but he was out there. Pretty anonymous. 
But the goal, the pick of the bunch, the goal of the game for me, Vito, was Brahim Diaz's because an inch higher or an inch lower, and it's not a goal. But what a finish that was. And why was he even playing? Ridiculous, but what a night. It's uh, incredible because Brahim Diaz hasn't really managed to fit into this Rossoneri squad. His form in general has been patchy at best, and that's probably just putting it politely. But in this particular game, he was fantastic, and that goal was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, um, those kind of goals have been scored in Serie A before, but usually those guys have been, you know, most of them have been scored by the greats. Uh, you know, I've seen uh, Alessandro Del Piero, especially in his early years at Juventus, score similar goals to the strike that Diaz produced. But uh, yeah, it just was fabulous from him. He just dribbled past those defenders. And then the way Diaz killed that shot from distance. Oh, I love watching those type of goals. And yeah, just absolutely outstanding. And probably one of the goals of the season too. Mm, I'd be I'd be backing you there on that one to be honest. I love that. Absolutely love that. Something about him being very small, which just made it a little bit more satisfying as well. Because the the ball was so much higher than his little head was. But anyway, Kev, Milan very very much have the momentum now, and I know they've still got to play against Atalanta on the final day of the season. But next up, they go to Torino, which okay. Torino are probably okay. You'd back them to win. And then they play Cagliari at home. By the time that game comes around, Cagliari, if they're not already, will probably be mathematically safe. So the Atalanta game mightn't even matter all that much. And it might be a case where we've been bigging up this game pretty much all season. And in, in reality, it's going to be like that Paul Rudd video, you know, where he's sitting on the stage with someone. He's like, oh, look at us. Who'd have thought we'd be in, in this position? And Atalanta and Milan will just put on a bit of a show with nothing riding on it. Yeah, and you wonder whether in that scenario the coaches might, you know, make a few changes. The players will have, like those players that will be going to the Euros will have one eye on that. You could probably. Well, Atalanta will have played the Coppa Italia final about three days before that too. Yeah, and, and, and Atalanta out of the two of them will, will probably have secured Champions League football. So, um, well, well, you don't want to say they probably both look down and think, well, if a draw would suit Juventus not getting Champions League football next year, um, we might well just play out uh, an entertaining uh, score draw. I'll tell you now, I'd be shocked if, if that if it even comes to that, because in the next week, bear in mind there's a midweek round of Serie A, I'd forgotten about it. I thought we were done with the midweek rounds, but there's another one. They've somehow squeezed it in. Um, but that means in the space of a week, Juve play Milan, which they lost 3-0, then they play Sassuolo, and then they play Inter. If, if Juve get to the final day of the season within a position to catch Milan and or Atalanta, I'd be amazed. Yeah, and um, Sassuolo will tire into it, tire Juve out. Uh, I shouldn't be wearing this top, I keep on talking about it. <laughs> um, Sassuolo will tire Juve uh, midweek, and on the back of tonight's game that's probably mentally exhausting, if nothing else, um, Conte is going to relish 
facing Juve. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely is. And are they going to get the title? I can't remember where that game is now. Surely they're not going to. That would be too much. No, Juve are at home to Inter. So. Um, it's not quite that bad. Don't worry, uh, Juve fans. But just before we move on to talk about the rest of the Serie A action, I'm just going to jump and talk to Ewan because he, as ever, was wrapping up the Serie A Feminina action for us, where it's not all bad news, Juve. You've been crowned Serie A champions again. Played 20, won 20, scored 69, conceded 10. It's a little bit ridiculous over there. Juve have walked it again, hopefully not next season though. So we'll be back in just a moment. Ewan, thank you as ever for taking the time to speak to us about Serie A Feminile, which had its title decided this weekend. There were a couple of exciting results. So just give us the rundown. What have we missed out on over the weekend? It was a big weekend in the Serie A Feminile because Juventus finally clinched the title. It's their fourth consecutive Scudetto, so they're following the footsteps of the men's team. All they needed was a point against Napoli, but of course they went and beat them 2-0, which keeps their 100% record going this season, which you'd, you'd back them to keep with, with only two games left to play. But even if they hadn't won that game, Milan would have handed them the title anyway because they went and lost 3-1 at home to Fiorentina, which makes Laviola the first team who aren't Juve to beat Milan this season and um, the Rossoneri did have a player sent off early in that game which of course affected affected it very heavily it was after about a quarter of an hour they were 1-0 down already at that stage um, that defeat and the fact that Sassuolo beat Pink Sport Bari 1-0 means that the gap between second and third has been halved to just three points and that second place spot that Milan are in is a Champions League place and it's the last Champions League place only the top two teams get it so to make that even more interesting, Milan and Sassuolo play each other next weekend. So that's definitely a situation that is worth keeping everyone's eyes on. That Sassuolo win as well meant that Bowery finally got relegated, which having amassed just three points this season isn't a huge surprise. Um, Milan's Coppa Italia final opponents, Roma, also had a bad weekend. They drew one all with Florentia. They should still hold on to fourth place, but Fiorentina are just five points behind them now. So... You know, it would take a pretty big swing, but it's not completely in the bag. Um, down at the bottom of the table, nothing's really changed this weekend because um, obviously Napoli lost to Juve and then San Marino, who are currently in that that last relegation spot, they were heavily beaten 5-2 by Inter, where um, Stefania Terenzi picked up four goals for herself in that one. But it's next weekend that is shaping up really nicely with that Milan-Sosuolo game. And then Napoli and San Marino have got very winnable games against Hellas Verona for Napoli and Bari for San Marino. So right now Napoli are three points clear of San Marino, but that's a battle that is definitely not over yet. And now we are back and we're going to jump to second place in the Serie A table because Vito Doria, you watched... I'm going to say you're, you're welcome for assigning you this because it, it's always fun to have an Atalanta game to cover. And they went away to Parma and they won 5-2. And it was it was a really, really enjoyable game, this one. Oh, it sure was. The first half uh, was probably a bit more limited in chances. It seemed that um, uh, Atalanta weren't able to break through like they usually would. And there were some scenarios 
in which they probably should have been able to score. But after halftime, Gasparini made two substitutions. Um, they were Luis Muriel and Matteo Pessina, and uh, they changed the game. Just Atalanta looked far more aggressive, more intense. The combination play was better, and uh, it showed because they scored more goals. Not only that, the other substitutions that came on also made a handy impact as well. So it was one of those games where you could argue, did Gasparini get the starting lineup right? But uh, I think overall, La Dea were the worthy winners and it really showed that, um, you know, Parma really just down the bottom, but Atalanta, regardless, even if Parma played above themselves, showed once again that they were a class above. I did feel a little bit sorry for Parma, as I tend to, um, for obvious reasons, I think, but particularly Luigi Giuseppe, because in the second half, how many top saves did he pull off, right? It was just, he made at least three really top quality saves, but on two of them, Atalanta just knocked in the rebound. <laughs> I just thought, oh, Luigi, he couldn't do a thing right. He just wasn't getting anything going his way, but... Yeah, look, Lewis Muriel, he came off the bench again. He's he stopped coming off the bench and scoring in recent weeks, but he started on the bench today, came on, scored two, and assisted the other and had a hand in the other. So he came off the bench and was involved with four goals. He's on 21 for the season now, which is a career high for him. Kevy's 30. Why is he playing so much better now, given that he's a bit of an explosive player. It would have made a lot more sense if he was good five years ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. T- today, maybe some of the woeful defending from Palmer. He scored 21 uh, goals this season, Kev. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, re- regarding the explosiveness, you know, he's, he, well, I was going to say he's, he's not he's not renowned for keeping his body in shape. You know, he's had issues with, with weight um, throughout his career that were kind of much emphasized. Um, I, I don't know. You know, when you look at him, you just think he's found he's found a place where he's comfortable now. He's found players that are maybe you know in tune with him, and you know, it, it's not as if he's having a purple patch. I think this will continue into to to next year, and we're seeing players that. Probably you used to say that that they hit their peak in their you know when they were twenty eight. You know, Muriel, Muriel was only a couple of years older, so maybe it's just one of those. We're just seeing a um, footballers aging a little bit later in life these days. Wrong answer, Kev. Oh, okay. Well, why don't why ask it? <laughs> Correct answer is that he was he was just an average Serie A striker until he went to Sampdoria. And who did he form a lethal strike partnership with at Sampdoria? Vito, say his name. Fabio Quagliarella. There you go. And now he knows. He knows. It's it's in your 30s that the fun starts as a striker in Serie A. And Lucho's going to be hitting 50 a season by the time he's 37. Probably 70 <laughs> a season by the time he's your age, Kev. What, you're 40 now, right? 42. <laughs> We'll see in oh, 10 days. 10 days? That took you a while to work out. Well, it's because it's <laughs> 5 to 12. Yeah, 5 to 12. So okay. it's technically 10 days and 5 minutes. But 
Okay, okay, okay. Um, should we? T- I, I don't really feel much of a need to talk about Inter Sampdoria, but we've kind of got to mention it just as a box-ticking exercise. Samp went away to the Stadio Giuseppe Miazza and they got pumped 5-1. I said just before we came on air that I didn't actually realise Samp had scored. Kev, you are itching to say something here. No, I just want to bring up two things with this game. I don't know if I don't know if Vito Someone saw it. You know. No, Renocchia. Oh, Renocchia's yeah. overhead kick. You saw Renocchia's overhead kick. It was it was technically excellently executed, but obviously it was too close to Adero, so Adero sort of blocked it. But I didn't realise he had that in his locker, so that just sort of you know, a little chuckle to myself, thinking, oh, if only that had gone in, you know, it would have really felt like a, a you know, a total procession. And then you had Alexi Sanchez, who was absolutely fuming at being taken off because he was on a hat trick, which again, I love to see that. And and, the, and then Pina, uh, Pinamonti, who came on for him, yeah. then went and scored. And you thought, I thought, come on, the, you know, the director wasn't doing his job because he didn't go and find Sanchez sitting on the bench and you know, punching a wall or something. But you know, the two the two things that were largely not you know not big and um, moments in the game just tickled me. When did Pinamonti go back there? By the way, well, where was he last year? Genoa. Or He's was been he everywhere. Year? Was he yeah. was he not at Genoa this season for the first half of the season? Or has he been at Inter for the entire? I don't know, but- Inter would have run out of money at some point, and that's when they started buying fullbacks or you know signing fullbacks. So they probably couldn't couldn't sign any more striking reinforcements, so they just kept up Pinamonti for a season or half a season. Quite possibly, but I, when you been? mentioned Ranocchia, I didn't think you were going to talk about the overhead kick. I thought you were going to talk about his teammates carrying him on a stretcher after the game. Did you see this? Oh. Oh no, see, I turned it off when the fifth goal went in. I turned it on after the match because I didn't care about the match. But yeah, um, and Bastoni put up a post basically saying, um, thanks for everything, Ranocchia. Like, just <laughs> taking the piss out of his teammates and you've done nothing. So let's carry on a stretcher. Because um, because Vicino played and also they brought on a sub-goalkeeper at half-time. And I thought to myself... Am I watching a testimonial? And I thought, how have Sam still lost this five-one? They played their, they played their like B team. Do you know what though? That's a big Atalanta thing. So I think they've done it in the last day of the last two seasons, where Francesco Rossi, who's always just on the bench and he never gets a look in, he's come off the bench for for Golini on the last day of the season a couple of times. And I remember the first time they did it, Golini when he looked up and saw what was happening, it was just, he couldn't stop laughing. And as he was going off, he was laughing as if it was the funniest thing he had ever seen in his life. And I just loved it. Galini sitting on the bench, pointing at a professional footballer and teammate, laughing because he's playing a game of football. I just love it. So I don't, I don't know what the rules are in Italy. Maybe I should, um, regarding appearances and, and getting title medals. Mm. Because uh, I remember many, many... Oh, well, it was probably Arsenal's last title where Wenger in the last game of the season played Richard Wright in one half and Stuart Taylor in the other. So Taylor, Wright and Seaman all met the minimum of five games so they could all get a title medal. <laughs> but it felt I very think, much uh, like that watching Inter. I think that 
whole a minimum game thing might have been done away with when they brought in 25-man squads. So I think now you get the number of medals of, to, to match with the number of players that you can officially register. I think I could be wrong on that. I usually am. Um, according to one of our Twitter followers, I'm always wrong. So I don't know why he listens, to be honest, but he's been muted. Anyway, um, what else should we talk about? Fiorentina Lazio. Lazio's Champions League hopes took a bit of a dash in this one, and I don't think any of us would have seen this coming. We probably predicted that Dusan Vlaovic would score, but that Fiorentina would win 2-0. Vito? This was a result I didn't expect to see happen, given that Fiorentina have had their struggles this season, um, and also that Lazio do have more to play for. I thought Lazio would have been able to get an away win. Surprisingly, the Bianco Celesti did not score at all, especially with Correa having such a good run lately. And uh, Vlahovic instead, he continued his fantastic form, taking his tally to 21 goals for the season and being the first foreigner to score over 20 goals in a Serie A campaign since the legendary Gabriel Batistuta in 99-2000. What a start. Hmm. And the full foreigner to do so as well for Fiorentina. That's a very nice start. I didn't realise that. Um, Yeah, but what Lazio, they're a funny old team. They get these huge results and you think, okay, here they are. They're awake. And then they just, they lose 2-0 to Fiorentina. Because this is a really poor result, Kev, right? Like Fiorentina, who, okay, they might have gotten relegated, but they're probably realistically had nothing to play for. So for Lazio to go there and lose two nils, pretty poor. Yeah, particularly the run of form they've been on. I, I had them sort of, if they were going to drop out of the Champions League race, I had them dropping points against Roma, with it being the derby, albeit, you know, no fans. Uh, and also the fact they finished the uh, season against Sassuolo. But, so if they can pick up points there, then they're still in with a, you know, a slight shout, depending on if any of the other Champions League hopefuls really sort of crash and burn in the last few weeks. But they they had to win this. And I think because this is probably the most winnable game of those that they still have remaining, it will probably have a bigger psychological impact on the belief throughout the squad that they will get Champions League football than anything else. I mean, it doesn't look like anyone's going to crash and burn particularly not Napoli because they're just they're just storming out. I think they've lost once in 14 now. They went to Spezia were 3-0 up at halftime. They won 4-1 in the end and Victor Ozyman put in a performance worthy of being player of the week. I'm not sure if you've chosen them as that, but Kev, Napoli are just hitting form at the perfect time. Yeah, and you want to watch them. You know, you know the, the title's over, but you want to watch them. You know, if you're... You know, again, sadly, mentioning fans not being in the stadium, it's what you want. You know, there are very few trophies handed out at the end of the season. So if you've got an entertaining side, you can squeeze into the Champions League places and have that on the horizon next season as well. What's not to love? And Osserman, you know, I I was looking at look at him today, just, you know, to quick Google, and I still can't believe he's only 22. I think there's a lot to come from him next year when he's fully fit. And um, 
it always felt like my, my only concern was the price they paid for him. But when you consider his age, um, even with the probably depressed market we'll see for a couple of years, I'd be very surprised if they don't get a return on the investment and get quite a lot of output from him in the next uh, couple of years. You think they'll sell him on for more than eighteen million? Well, the depressed market is going to make that difficult. Um, but I suppose if you weigh that up with what you the benefit you get, you know, if he shoots him into the Champions League a couple of seasons, then you can, you know, balance that off with what you paid for him. But I think they're going to get almost value for money. I think it's going to be, again, it's going to be hard. I think we're probably going to have this line drawn between this sort of pre and post pandemic sort of um, financial era for football because it can't keep going up. We, you know, we said that a couple of weeks ago, the Super League was just a ridiculous idea because these clubs don't want to see see the reality that the the wages and chance of these have to stop rising at some point and find some sort of oh, happy place. Yeah, um, not going to happen that. But anyway, we'll move on. The We need to come back to that in a moment. But the other games, basically, Udinese and Bologna drew 1-1. Verona and Torino drew 1-1. Largely irrelevant, you would imagine, unless Torino get dragged back down into things. But they might just do that because Cagliari beat Benevento 3-1 away. And Cagliari, Leonardo Semplici, Kev, what... What has happened there? I know their squad's been too good to get relegated for a long time, but the form they've put together in the last few weeks is remarkable. Yeah, they had the players to put that run of form together, but they've been underperforming for so long, you wondered whether they actually had it in them. And, you know, there was just something really underlying there that was going wrong. They were... Slightly fortunate at the weekend. You know, excellent opening goal from the Greek defender that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> and, um, but then Lapadula equalised with a lovely little sort of inked finish after breaking into the box. And then Benevento, there were sort of three or four chances that I saw in the highlights before Pavoletti puts the header away, which kind of sees them over the line because Pedro scores late on. But they've had that kind of drive and resolve to sort of see through the sort of storms of sides attacking them and then sort of pick off points and fair play to them for just actually picking themselves up off the floor because they they just looked in free for a few weeks, months back. No, they absolutely did. And they're they're staying up and you would back them to do something quite impressive next season as well if if simply she can carry this momentum in to the 2021-22 season that's really difficult to say these numbers now when you've got to say 2020 100 times in quick succession but Vita there was some positive news for you this weekend because Genoa lost 2-1 to Sassuolo and 2-1 probably flatters the Griffon a little bit Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Does because uh, Sassuolo did have the chances to, uh, um, you know, add a bit more gloss to the victory. And uh, for the Grifone, it was another disappointing performance on their part. Uh, the Zappa Costa goal was a great strike from them. Otherwise, there wasn't much that, uh, the Blue fans could be impressed about. There were patches where the Nero Verdi were able to knock the ball around nicely and. Uh, it was good that uh, Raspadori opened the scoring, but he probably should have scored another one. It was one moment where it was one-on-one with Perrin. Could have chipped it. We could have dribbled around him, but I think he just ran into him and uh, Perrin was able to steal the ball off him. So, yeah, just, uh, yeah, good to see Genoa lose, obviously, but uh, right. Sassuolo could have made it even better for themselves. Um, What was Andrea Maziello doing? And look... We're, we're talking about Andrea Maziello, okay? So we need to tread very carefully here. But what was he doing? Maybe he still thought it was at Atalanta where he can get away with those back passes <laughs> and they can work it through. Whereas Genoa don't have that in the coaching philosophy. That's not part of uh, Davide Ballardini's coaching repertoire. So it was easy for Berardi to capitalise on that. You negotiated your way out of that very impressively, Vito Doria. Congratulations on that one. I, I think that's is that is that everything, guys? Are they all of the games? Roma beat Crotone five 0 but really, could that match have mattered any less? Roma aren't going to do anything, and Crotone are already relegated, so I don't think we need to talk about it. Five 0 though. It was, it was a fun ten minute spell in the second half where they scored a few goals. Hang on. We've not spoken since the news broke, have we? I've just realised oh, yes. that the news broke on Monday and or whatever day after we recorded. So we've not had the opportunity to talk about the the best news that could have possibly emerged as an Italian football website that relies on people clicking on the website to yeah. keep its head above water. <sighs> I was about to because say, not for Zaniolo. <laughs> nor Mkhitaryan, nor Chris Smalling. You could probably go on with that list. But the special one, the one who stole the show, and is Dynamo. Whoa, whoa. He's here. Jose Mourinho will be taking over at Roma next season. And I celebrated this news. <laughs> I, when I first saw it, I thought, 
I'm being pranked here. And it was on Roma's official Italian Twitter page. And I thought, they've been hacked. So I clicked around on all of the different Roma language accounts. And I was like, geez, he, he is. Mourinho's, Mourinho's back. And I'm so happy, Kev. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... Um... I, tell you, I certainly didn't share your happiness. I certainly shared your surprise. Why are uh, you not happy? You don't support <laughs> Roma. It's okay. He's going to give us a lot to talk about. We'll have a lot of laughs. It's going to be great. Well, well, actually, you say that, you know, not supporting Roma, but I, I tweeted at the time that the thing with Roma is they, they're fun or funny. You know, I'm not sure which it is. Fun or funny? No, it's funny and... This is perfectly but, in keeping with that. But I think he'll even suck the life out of no. that now. Um, so, you know, well, well, we will see. Um, I don't know if he'll fulfil his three-year contract. I'm not sure if he'll get bored of Demo. That was quite clever, actually. Three years. Exactly three years. <laughs> Vito. I'm actually excited that Mourinho's coming yes, back to Serie Vito. Yes, Vito. The football, the football is going to be boring. Uh, I'm going to expect that from Mourinho. This is probably the first time in nearly 20 years that they've had a genuine pragmatist since they had Fabio Capello there, and he won them the Scudetto. Exactly. But, yeah. And uh, Roma are a fun team to watch in general, good or bad, depending on the results. But uh, if Mourinho can sort of find his feet and you think his approach usually suits the Italian game or at least the old-fashioned way the Italians would play, so he could fix up the defensive frailties. So I think from a footballing perspective, he might be able to do something. But in general, given what he's achieved throughout his career, the type of person he is and how he interacts during press conferences, I think he adds an extra draw card for this league and uh, regardless if it's something nice, something bad, or something that's downright controversial, uh, Mourinho will make people listen to him. So I'm sure he's going to generate more attention for the league. You know, it might just be a case of any publicity is good publicity. And uh, as you touched upon earlier, Connor, uh, that might drive more traffic for the website too. If you consider Roma this year, at the start we were saying, oh, you know, they were steamroller in the, the lesser sides, but they were kept on failing to take points off of the big sides. I could see Mourinho coming in. Mm. They continue to steamroller the, the top sides, strangle the life out of some of yes. the sort of the, the yes. top sides. And then actually this sort of fall off that Roma have had in the last sort of few weeks of the season, he actually manages to rectify that and they sort of, squeeze into fourth place like by a point or something so I suppose there's signs that they could have had a better season this year and that if he's still got a bit of what he had before in him could do something there but success is a strong word if you're talking about I mean, yeah, trophy wise oh, we'll see he's gonna well, I suppose no, 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 no. Let, me, let me explain to you what's going to happen with, with Mourinho right let me tell you, and Kev, I want you to write this down. I know your memory is getting bad in, in your later years, but I want you to take note of this because you can refer this back to me after his third season, after his second season when he gets given a five-year deal. Next year, Roma are winning the Coppa Italia or the Europa League. 
okay? Roma are winning one of those competitions. The following year, they're winning the Scudetto. Do you know why? Because we're in a period of transition in Italian football where it's basically just up for grabs, right? Because Juve's nine-year stranglehold is gone. Juve are in, in bits. They're done. Milan will be there or thereabouts. Inter will have the Champions League to manage again. And we saw what happened with, with Conte at Chelsea when he had the Champions League. He had them like 10th or something. So that'll be fun. Atalanta are there or thereabouts. Roma are just going to sneak on up. They might finish fifth in Serie A next season, but I'm telling you, in the season that follows next, I don't know the numbers, 22-23? Yes, 22-23 season. Roma's name is on the Scudetto. And it's 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 great. Atalanta will win it next year. Roma the year after. I cannot hide how excited I am about Mourinho coming in. I'm so happy. And I cannot wait to be sitting in a little press box or a little press conference room next season and just seeing Mourinho trot in. And if anything, it's actually made me a bit more sad that Parma are relegated because Mourinho coming to Parma would just be such a nice thing and I'm devastated it's not happening. And that would be Roma's, what, third title? I'm going to start trademarking the hashtags now. (laughs) It'll be the year 2023. It'll be the third title. Mm, mm, There you go. Because it was there what was it 80, 83 and two thousand and one eighty four. They won three already. Oh, okay. Oh, already. that's a shame. Forty one, forty two was the first. Well, no, it's it's perfect because Juve have taught us that you can use a four as an A, so it's R O M four. And the M. Oh yes. The the M can be done in like a different color to symbolize that it's Mourinho's title as well um, yeah maybe a uh, red with the green trimming to represent portugal there you go there you go we're on it we're absolutely on it um Mourinho Serie has bloody good i'm beyond excited vito i'm so happy you're on the same page as me on this one because we're gonna have a lovely old time and because none of us support roma i support the club who doesn't necessarily like roma all that much Whatever way it goes, I'm going to have a lovely old time. A lovely old time. But there we go. Did I ever tell you about the time I met Mourinho when I was a kid? We'll get on to that another time. Vito, jump in. What do you want to say? I'll just add further. You just mentioned that uh, Roma and Atalanta don't have the best relationship, whereas I support a club that has a bit of a Roman connection, if you like. So... Massimo Ferrero, the Sampdoria president, is an avid Giallorossi fan. Uh, Claudio Ranieri played in the youth team, played for the senior squad for a bit, coached Roma. So there's the Roma flavour. Maybe one day when Mourinho is what would be the pension age, you know, at least 65, 70 plus, maybe he'll come down to Samp when he's totally washed up. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. There would be something quite beautiful if, if it all goes to pot for him at Roma and he ends up with zero titoli, as he's so famed as saying. But anyway, we finished talking about <laughs> Mourinho for, for this week. He'll be back. Kev? 
Yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> I try, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I need to. I do think it's a little bit unfortunate for Fonseca, particularly nah. the announcement. I think, I've, well, no, I, I think the announcement. I think you could have waited because I think if if they'd done that to me, I would have walked. You know, yeah. I would have said you could have had the good grace to just leave it until, you know, we've got what mm. two weeks left. You it know, was, so. it was a bit strange, wasn't it? And it was. It if it wasn't the eve. If it was the, it wasn't the eve of the second leg of the Europa League uh, semi. I think it was actually the Tuesday. Oh yeah, it was Again, the Tuesday. That was in a bit. It? Yeah, I got a feeling. I got. I feel that's a bit, a bit in bad taste. Because um, okay, they they didn't have much hope of going through, but they, they gave it a bit of a fight in the second half. And all right, look, stop. We we're, we're finished. Mourinho will be. We'll, I'm so happy. We'll be talking about him plenty. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. And the the rivalry of Conte is back. But that's a whole other thing. Um, it's time for the game, guys. It's time for the game. Kev, I I kind of jokingly said earlier that you've got half a point from guessing that question right, but it wasn't really a joke. What that half point means is if I win, Kev wins. All right, so if, if neither of you get it, Kev gets the point. Vito, I'm sure you can acknowledge that you've won by a, a landslide for the season, so we can just give Kev the point if he really needs it. Um, and Kev, obviously, you need points, so you can go first to try and find the identity of this mystery player. Do I need them? Do I even want them? Kev, Kev don't be so oh, disrespectful. Okay. There's two minutes on the clock. Your time starts mm-hmm. now. Are they foreign? The player is foreign, yes. Okay. Do they play? Are they European? You are the slowest question asker. Yes. Uh-oh. They're European. They're European. Do they play in Northern Italy? They do not play in Northern Italy. No, Vito, over to you. Uh, does this player play for one of the Roman clubs? They do not clubs play for one them. of the Roman clubs, unfortunately. Back to you, do, Kev. Do they play for Napoli? No, they do not play for Napoli, Vito. Is it a is it a Benevento player? The player does play for Benevento, yes. Okay, is this player a midfielder? The player is not a midfielder. No, unfortunately not. Are they a striker? They are a forward. Attack. They're okay. a forward, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> three seconds left. Oh. A European player that plays in an attacking position for Benevento. I well, what, I, I say plays. more attention to Bene- Benevento. Huh? Um, oh, God. Oh, just Vito, have a go. To, yeah, Vito, go. Uh, look, I, I'm stumped too because yeah, the four I, options I can think of. Uh, the four options there. I could think of are Italian and the foreigner that's springing to mind now is an Argentinian. So it's Lapadula, Peruvian or something now. He's Italian, but he plays for Peru. I don't know what I'd do about okay. his nationality because there's 14 seconds left. Vito, say who you think the Argentine is because I thought this guy was Argentine. A go- Adolfo Geich. No, sorry. Four seconds. Yeah. No, sort of. I don't well, care. I'm getting a point. Sorry, I'm not trying to tell. <laughs> yeah, 
Right, do you know what? I was gonna I was gonna give Kev the point, but he just said at the end there, I don't care, I'm getting the point. So I don't know if he deserves the point. <laughs> no. Up, up to you, Quizmaster. You look bothered. <laughs> I know, yeah. Right. I wanna look at you guys when I tell you who this player is, because I was shocked, to be honest with you. Um actually well I give you his, his career path as according to Wikipedia and see if you can tell us. You can tell me then. I think you'll be able to do it. Vito will do it. Right. So his career path, he started at Juve in 2011. Then he went to Villarreal B, Tottenham Hotspur, Southampton, Almeria, Rio Vallecano, Genoa, Roma, Torino, Genoa, Beneventum. Oh, Oh, Iago Falco. It is Iago Falco. Oh, okay. I saw him miss a shot actually last weekend. But yeah, Southampton though threw me off then. Did he play? I instantly went to Gaston Ramirez. He played once for Southampton, according to Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Weird, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because the Tottenham. Mm. Yeah, and he came at the start of the season, so I'm spewing even more that I didn't get that point. I mean, yeah, because he's a forgettable thought, player since he left Genoa. He was all right then. But I thought mm. this was going to be like somebody random that like hadn't played in the last five games, but he has actually played for himself. Well, he's, he's played, according to Wikipedia, Right, he's played five times since joining Benevento in 2020, so he doesn't play that much. Right no, but he definitely missed his shot last week. That's a drop, mm. or maybe this weekend drop. actually. It really is. I was nearly going to go for um, Bobby Insignia, but I think I've already done him this season. So I, I, oh, see, I forgot that early as well. got him, right? Um, but anyway, guys, before we finish, can we talk about Claudio Ranieri? Because Sam obviously went away to Inter and it's not really something that's done in, in Italy. But Claudio Ranieri had a chat with Quagliarella and some of his Sam players about giving Inter a guard of honour out onto the pitch. And everyone thought it was a great idea. So they, they gave Inter a guard of honour out onto the pitch to honour the, the newly crowned champions. Kev, you're laughing. Well, I'm just... Do you think Ranieri's trolling Juventus because he knows that Inter have got to play them, so he wants Juve to give them a guard of honour at the uh, Allianz? <laughs> Quite possibly, because did you see the reaction online to this? All the Juve fans were up in arms. Oh, in nine years, no one ever did this for us. Um, but I just thought it was quite a nice touch. No, yeah, it's well, just a nice gesture on Ranieri's part. Yeah, okay. There we go. Yes. There it's always been done. In, it's always been done in in kind of British football, but um, in the age of social media, you do get. You know, I just remember this the abuse Bernardo Silva got last year because when uh, Manchester City lined up for Liverpool to to go to the Etihad, he, he was the one player that didn't clap. And when we are trying our best to stop people sending people online abuse, it's just one other thing that. You know, people like Juventus fans or Inter fans, you know, they'll mm. find that Ronaldo didn't clap and then suddenly you make a big thing out of it. But yeah, that's the sad side of all this. But it is a nice gesture. Yeah, I quite liked it. It was, I think it made all the nicer that it was Ranieri who thought it up as well. Um, but there you go. I'm finished. You guys finished? Yeah. Say goodbye, KSP. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Season's Say, nearly over. <laughs> hey, goodbye, Vita Doria. Goodbye. 
and we will be back in midweek again. Speak to you soon, guys. Bye-bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 